Greetings to all of you in the name of Christ. I'm happy to be here. My wife and I arrived this afternoon, had a good trip. It's good to be in this church again. So take your Bibles and let's do like we did last time I was here. I used to teach school. And I found that if you read the scripture often enough, the students would actually have it learned by the time you did it frequently. So what I would like us to get into the routine of doing, uh, some of you were not here 16 years ago. Uh, you don't remember the routine. But um, when you find it, I'd like you to stand up, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 together. Colossians 3. One through three. I use the King James Version, and that is what we'll be memorizing. And so I want you, if you know it already, that's wonderful. You're just ahead of the game. That's good. I'm glad for you. All right, let's all read it together, can we? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Thank you. God bless you. You may be seated. And I would urge you to, if you don't know those verses, try to memorize them this week. It will, it will bless your heart to hide the Word of God in your heart. Um, again, I, I don't want to ever apologize for preaching the Word. I don't ever want to do that. Um, I'm kind of old-fashioned, and um, sometimes I get kind of excited, and I actually shout. So I hope you can bear with me. Um, but um, I don't want to waste your time. I want you to be blessed. I do sometimes fret about re-preaching sermons that I've used for many, many times in many places. But... Um, I, I've got some other messages. I do have more than 10 sermons, and the boys helped carry the box in. That's just part of them. So. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. I was assigned this topic one time, and um, I wish to use this as an introductory message for the week of revival meetings. I want to read verses 20 through 27 of Proverbs 4, where it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. And here's the text verse, verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Tonight the title of the message is, Ponder the path of thy feet. Now, not only is man told to ponder his path, but God is said to be pondering man's doings. In Proverbs 21, it says that the Lord pondereth the hearts. 
So the reason y'all need to ponder your path is because God's pondering your heart. He's analyzing and sitting there thinking about this whole thing. Well, sitting, I'm not sure if that's correct. But to ponder means to prepare a road, to revolve, that is to weigh mentally, to analyze and see where you're at. Now, if you took just a regular dictionary and looked it up, it would mean to weigh in your mind, to think about. And so to think or consider especially quietly, soberly, and deeply. It's not always easy to think about the way we live. But a path is a well-worn track of repeated usage. And in Nebraska, there's a lot of center pivots. I don't know if you have any irrigation. Do you have irrigation around here? A little bit. So we have center pivot irrigation out there. And I remember one year especially, the pivot went around 14 times. And I'm telling you, uh, the track gets pretty deep, pretty deep. And sometimes it starts getting stuck, and that's not so good. But a worn path is easy to find. You can find it easily. Those of you that hunt understand what I'm talking about. Tonight I'm asking you to participate with me as I preach this message. I want you to ponder. I'm asking you to ponder your path of life. I think it's an important concept. Uh, the path on which you walk. This message will become useful only if it causes you to think about what path you're on? It's important. Now, your feet, they're the appendages that God gave us, the bottom of our legs, and you had to learn to walk. Some of us forgot that. We had to learn to walk, and sometimes there's maybe some physical difficulty in the brain, and you have to relearn how to walk. But here he's telling us to ponder the path of our feet. Not to think about our feet so much as where those feet are going. So I'm asking you to weigh in your mind, to reflect on and think and consider quietly and soberly and deeply about this one thing. The path on which you walk in life. Now maybe it's that new car that you bought on a whim or something that you wish you wouldn't have done. Because now you have the payments. Or maybe that money that you wasted on something that you just, boy, at the moment it seemed really important and you went ahead and spend the money. I'm asking you to think about your way of life. Uh, maybe it's the fact that you're habitually late. That's your path. I want you to think. Uh, you know... All those things, whether it's a car or a drone that you bought because your neighbor got one or whatever, whatever it is that you did that you made a decision about, it's representing choices that you made. It represents a, a, a repeat of duty constantly. I want you to ask yourself, now why did I do that? I'm not asking you to go to your neighbor and ask him why you did it. I'm asking you to sit there and think. So it's kind of like taking inventory of your past deeds, your behavior, your actions. Maybe you need to think about your path regarding your friends, your close friends, or your closest friends. Maybe it's about church and how you participate. Maybe it's about your occupation and 
how it relates to your Christian life. I don't know. But we're talking about your home life and your lifestyle and your family time. Maybe we're talking about your devotional time. That's possible, the path on which you walk. Maybe it's about the technology that you have in your pocket. Maybe it's the music you listen to. Maybe it's the way you talk when certain people aren't around. Maybe it's the way you like to keep up with your neighbors. I don't know. I don't know what it might be. Some of the things that you ponder with me tonight, they may not be changeable. You may not be able to change some of those things. For instance, if you already have a life partner, you've made that choice. In, in the Word of God, it teaches us that that choice is now fixed, and you must live with that choice. See, every action you commit, it began with a thought, and every thought was prompted by an attitude. And every attitude that you have is preceded by a mental position with regard to the state of a fact or something like that. Thoughts and actions and attitudes, those are shaping your path. They're building your road of life. Ponder the path of your feet. When you go on a vacation trip with your family, before you actually even take off down the road, before you even put your things in the trunk, you determine what your destination is. For if you don't, you'll get in the car and you'll look at some intersection and say, well, I don't know. That road looks good. And so away you go that way. But if you start out by pondering the path of your feet, you choose your destination before you ever start. That's important. You have to make a determination, this is where I want to end up. See, a path always leads somewhere. You have to think about that. I'm asking you to think about that tonight. So if you haphazardly jump into the car, you just go without planning, where are you going to end up? You don't know. I don't either. That's not what we did. If you don't know the truth, we were at Grantsville, Maryland, and uh, I, I put an address in down here, and then I hit a button, and it said to go on this certain road. But you see, I put the destination in before I started. Now, I want you to ponder this for just a little bit. Where do you want to end up in life as well as in death? That's a serious matter. See, life is not just all fun and games. Yes, we have a good time. I enjoy a good time. I hope you do too. But be careful about those things of choices. Um, in one commentary, I found this. It said, to ponder is to consider well a wise course results from wise forethought. A wise course results from wise forethought. It's important. Psalm 119, verse 59 says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto, my, unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. To make haste means to be eager with excitement. 
Can't wait till we get there. How do you serve the Lord? Now you think about that. See, you're supposed to be thinking about that with me while I'm preaching. And this message is to me as well as you. You see, it seems like that at one point, Israel had developed an attitude, a mindset, similar to modern American history, that says something like this, uh, it, it doesn't really matter what you do, it's just a matter of what you believe. Well, now, wait a minute. I could believe all day that I was headed for Nebraska, but I had my destination set. That's not where I went. I followed, and I went this way instead of that way. See? What is our goal this week? What's the path of your feet in relation to revival? What do you expect to happen? What would you like to see happen in your own heart first? And I think you ought to analyze it from your perspective first. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says, Some men's sins go before. Some, some men's are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Now, I see revival. <coughs> Pardon me. I see revival as a time when it's time to think about God and to think about life in relation to God. You see, back in the Old Testament, the people were neglecting the house of God. They said, Lord, we love you. And they'd sing the songs of Zion, but their hearts weren't there. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This I find to be an interesting passage. Look at verse 15. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Tonight in the prayer time, somebody mentioned something about the evil day that we live in. And that's why. That's wise to think about that. You look at verse 17, it says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. See, it says in Psalm 37 that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Where did y'all start out in your Christian life? Where? You started at the foot of the cross just like everybody else. In Psalm 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined his ear unto me. You know what that means? That means like this. If I wanted to hear what you said, I would incline, I would bend my ear. You know what I think? I think one day God heard my cry, and he, he put his hand to his ear. Well, kind of. And he, he said, ah, what did I hear? What did I hear? Oh, I believe that was Dave. Say, let me hear what he has to say. God inclined his ear to me. Why? Look what it says. He heard my cry. I cried out like the prodigal son, and I said, I need to get home to my father. The prodigal son, he had a path in mind, and he needed to go where he needed to go, and it was time to find his father. 
And he already decided before I go, I know what I need to do. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. There's something in the Hebrew that says something about that horrible pit that's referring to an ugly noise. There's another place in Scripture where it talks about how that in the night you wish it was morning. If you disobey God, that's what's going to happen. You're going to get tired of it. An ugly sound's going to be in their ears, it says in the book of Job, I think. But he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. This is where we started out, folks. You don't believe you were there? Oh, listen to me. He took you out of the miry clay. That stuff that you put your foot down and it just sinks down. And if you're going to pull it out, you can hardly get it out. Because it drives the other one deeper. It says, and he set my feet upon a rock. Ponder the path of your feet. Do you remember when you were walking in sin? You loved sin. You still love it? <coughs> you ponder the path of your feet. You still love in sin? Now you be careful. I ask you to ponder the path of your feet while I preach. He has put a new song in my heart, in my mouth, I'm sorry. He set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. God established my goings. That means, <coughs> Dave's going to have to be careful the way he's preaching. Or he's going to run out of air. I'm sorry, folks. Listen, he set my feet upon a rock. That's a good, solid place to walk. That's good footing. You can get good traction. Yeah, but you can't get that in the mud. He had put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear, shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. I, I'm, I'm not turning to these scriptures because... Because I want to get done in time. First Thessalonians says, The Lord make you to increase abound in love one toward another. <coughs> God knows that we have a weakness among us as brethren. There's times we get tired of one another. You see, your acquaintance is so close, you know everybody's weakness. Our association is often so close. We're walking on such a tight path that we know each other's weakness pretty good. He says, and I want you to increase and abound in your love one toward another. And toward all men, even as we do toward you. And for what reason? This is in 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. I like this. Here's the, here's the reason. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You see, God wants us to be established and our hearts be unblameable so that there's no ill intentions in any of our paths. 
Second Thessalonians 3 says, The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, it says, The God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. <coughs> God expects his people that call themselves by his name to ponder carefully the path of their feet and to mature in their behavior. I trust, dear people, that by the end of this week, there can be maturity, more maturity than there was yesterday, than there was last year, than there was 15 years ago, 16 years ago, whatever it was. God expects better behavior than what I give him sometimes. Yes, he does. With those who name the name of Christ, those who have walked with Christ for many years, their maturity ought to be better at times. Now, I don't know what all we're going to talk about this week, but here's some of the things we should probably think about. How do we relate to issues of technology? Boy, it's an understatement to say that technology has mushroomed, and it really has. Boy, it really has. But... But, you know, for the life of me, I can't figure out why grade school children need cell phones. I, I'm not sure I understand that at all. And I, I, you know, if you're here and you have one and you're in that context, well, I just want you to think about that. Think about the path of your feet. Think about how you handle those issues. You may not speak an angry word to someone, but you wouldn't mind texting it to them and give them a piece of your mind. Huh? Now you be careful. How about the things that, well, they're morally questionable at best. Be careful. Ponder the path of your feet. Some things that, well, because it's so private and nobody sees what I'm doing, you know. Be careful, you ponder the path of your feet. You be careful. Your feet are taking you somewhere. Now, folks, I do carry a smartphone. I recognize, I recognize some of those things. Ponder the path of your feet. Not every youth needs a cell phone. I don't believe it. Sorry. I, I just think we need to be careful. I want you to think about your church attendance. Technology is one subject. Uh, you know, we'll probably hit on a lot of these things this week. But how about your church attendance? I, I think it's good to ponder the path of your feet regarding that. How, how about this one? You heard some gossip about somebody. You don't really like them anyway, so you'll listen a little closer. And then you smile. <laughs> oh. Has that ever happened to you? It does sometimes in Nebraska, I suppose. How about how, about how you behave yourself? When no one around you knows you, 
It's amazing. It seems like you can't go anyplace without people knowing you <laughs> or you knowing somebody. Well, guess what? God already knows you. Don't think you can get by with that. I've heard all kinds of stories. You travel and it's, it's heartbreaking to hear some. It makes me wonder what people really are thinking and where do they want their children to... They gossip about the preacher. They talk about the preacher. They, you know, they speak derogatory about the church. How can they expect their children to love the Lord and to walk with Him? I don't know. You see... It's easier sometimes to ponder the path of your brother than it is to ponder the path of your own feet. Yeah. It's easy to find fault, isn't it? Is that, is that right? Is that human nature? I think. But see, I'm asking you, who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? How do you walk? in the path of life. When you drive your car, when you go to the grocery store, how is your testimony? Now when you're driving on the edge of a scenic pass in the Rocky Mountains, you probably drive a little different than you would in Nebraska on the interstate. Straight roads, flat, I know, you don't know what that is. I'm just teasing. You have a beautiful country. But in this passage of scripture in Ephesians 5, it tells us to walk circumspectly. Now I reckon if, if you knew that there was rattlesnakes in the area and you'd say to your brother, please walk carefully to the car because I know that there's, there's several... You know, rattlers out there, you'd just be real careful getting there. Well, I don't know. You'd walk a long way. At least I would. I'd walk around the other way. I wouldn't walk right through them, would you? No. When you run after there's been an explosion, do you just kind of shuffle along? Or do you just take off and run as fast as you can? Somebody, does anybody remember old Eli Yutzee? He told me, he said one time, he said, uh, he said uh, I run just as fast as I ever did. I just run longer in the same spot. That's the way I'm running anymore. But when you know there's danger, you, you want to avoid it. You don't want to run into it. You choose your destination. You go away from danger. You don't run into it, not typically. A crisis demands an immediate response when you're walking on unfamiliar territory and they tell you there's grizzly there last week. Grizzly bear. Went camping one time with my brother out in Colorado and some of his boys. Yeah, they said that this is grizzly country. I wondered why we came. But we did. And I understood why they were sleeping with a forty-five under their pillow. Well, I was kind of glad for that, come to think of it. Ponder the path of your feet. Where, seriously, I'm asking, where are you headed? 
Where are you going? Have you thought about it? Young families, those of you that have children, think about it. Where is it that you want to end up? I think it's important to think about that. Several years ago, there was a woman in California. I'll just read you the article that came from the L.A. Times. A woman died Monday after she fell 150 feet from a seaside bluff in Santa Cruz County when the ground beneath her crumbled, authorities said. Jennifer and her friends were visiting the cliff north of Davenport just after 4 p.m., said Sergeant Chris Clark spokesman for Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office. This lady was 20 years old. She was standing about a foot away from the edge and peering over the side when the whole cliff, battered by winter storms, collapsed. And down she went 150 feet. Quote, there just wasn't support there to hold her weight, Clark said. The San Jose resident fell onto a remote beach that was only accessible by helicopter or water. When lifeguards swam to her, Clark said she was talking and moving her arms. Soon after, she was hoisted onto a helicopter, but she died on the way to the trauma center, he said. Uh, her, she and her friends would have likely walked past a sign advising them to stay back from the steep cliff you just never know what the situation could be or whether the ground would hold you. You have to be extremely careful. Now, folks, of course, the authorities are no doubt discussing the merits of a bigger sign, taller fence. But ultimately, folks, there was one person responsible for her going over because she was across the fence, the way I read the article. It was she herself. Who knows? There may have been people telling her to stay back. Don't get so close. She just wanted to get a better photo. That's all. Probably. There's nothing wrong with taking beautiful pictures, is there? I'm mine. I'm fine, she might have said. As the ground crumbled under her feet. Down she went. Now, had she really believed that the path of her feet was going to the next step was going to take her down, she'd have not done it. Ponder the path of your feet. She would have benefited if she'd have pondered and considered all the facts. She didn't know all the facts. There's sometimes other people know the facts and you can benefit by listening to them. Ponder the path of your feet. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about. See, he's on a path too. Well, He's pretty careful about his path, so it's hard to recognize where he walks. But your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. To devour means to eat. 
He'll eat your lunch. He'll destroy you, and he'll laugh when it's done. That's right. He don't mind. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? I would conclude from that statement that if you're not steadfast in the faith, you will not be able to resist him. It's imperative that you are steadfast in your faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. I'm the only one that struggles like this. No, you're not. Your brethren and your sisters go through the same struggles you do on the same path of life. You struggle at times. That's the way it works. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who hath called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Help you to become mature in choosing your footsteps carefully. Establish. To set fast, literally. To resolutely decide in a certain direction. To strengthen. Means to, to have knowledge and power that comes from a spiritual understanding of the scriptures. Strengthen you. Giving you resistance. And settle you. To lay a basis for that means to settle. You know, if you put soil in a hole in Nebraska, the best way to do it is to backwash it with water and it'll settle down. That's the best way to do it. It'll be soft for a while, but eventually it'll solid up. Life is a struggle. The walking in life is a struggle and the forces of evil are set against you. Listen, I'm sure I said this 16 years ago and it's just as true today. Satan hates the godly. And he wants to destroy you. And he will. If you're not careful. The king of evil, Satan, is set against you and he tries to get you to swerve from the path of uprightness. He wants you to give up. He wants you to give in. He wants you to quit that holy walk with God. Walk carefully on the path of righteousness and holiness. Not all paths lead to God. There are some that actually lead away from God. Not all who claim to be on the right path are actually on the right path. Some are deceived. Don't be one of them. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know why I think that the devil hates the Christian? Because you represent to him what he can't have. That's what I think. I think he hates you so bad. He hates us so bad. Because we have made a decision for Christ. And by the grace of God... We're walking on the path that God leads us in. And as a result, he looks at us and he said, I hate those people. I'm going to destroy them. They are friends with God, thus they are my enemy. That's what the king of evil says. 
What did I tell you to turn to? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen, are you chafing saying, well, I don't know why we can't do this. I don't know why we can't do that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay? For we brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. I just heard a man just the other day. In fact, I think it was maybe even this morning. He said, nobody gets out of this world alive. It's true. That's the case. We better be careful. Have food and raiment. Let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich, those are the wannabes, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. They're on a path, folks. You don't want to be on that path. I'm telling you. Get off of it if that's where you're at. You don't want to be on that path. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Don't go shuffling off into the shadows. Take off and run. Flee these things. Follow after righteousness. That's the path you ought to be on, see? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Oh, fight the good fight of faith. Climb the hill, folks. Keep walking. Keep walking. You might need to stop and catch your breath once in a while, but keep walking. Keep going. Don't give up. So how you doing? How you doing? How'd you come out analyzing your own path? How? How did you do? I asked you to participate. Have you chosen your final destination yet? I'm just wondering. See, you need to think about that. Are you finding a struggle in your life? You feel like giving up. I've always told people, when you feel like giving up, that's when you absolutely should not do it. You shouldn't. I don't know. I found this poem last time. I, I, I probably read it here the last time I was here. Forgive me if you remember it. That's all right. I'll repeat it. It's worth repeating. Don't quit. You feel like quitting? Don't. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, and when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, and when funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won if he'd stuck it out. Don't give up. Though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down is how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, a silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. That was John Greenleaf Whittier. Are you going to be here tomorrow night? Well, you plan to be. You think you will be. But you know, the truth of the matter is none of us know, do we? Ponder the path of your feet. Because see, 
while you still have life and breath, you can still make a choice about, you know what? I need to make an adjustment here. I am not where I ought to be. And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. By His grace, I'm going to do what I ought to do. Earlier, I mentioned friends as one of the things that can influence your decisions. I wish to temper what I said by throwing out a caution. There seems sometimes to be some pretty independent thought. I don't care what you say, preacher. I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. That's an issue of the will. That's a moral decision right there. You be careful. I think it's important that we analyze how we're doing. God blesses the brotherhood. Do sometimes leaders make mistakes? They do. And then there's times they have to ask for forgiveness. That's right. But that gives you no right to be a lone ranger on your own. You be careful. Stepping out in faith is a biblical concept. It's necessary. Yes, it is. You must step out in faith, and God honors a right attitude and a right spirit. In Isaiah 50, it says, The Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and know that I shall not be ashamed. Now, folks, there's a difference between that concept and being bullheaded. I don't know if you all ever met James Booker or not, but I heard him one time. I, I just remember those big old bushy eyebrows, and he kind of looked down over his glasses, and he just kind of seemed like he was glaring at me. I don't think he really was. But I remember he said, bullheadedness is of the devil. Now having your face set as a flint, purposing before God, by God's grace I'm going to walk on the right path and I want to end up in heaven in glory because of my Savior. It's going to be worth it all. When we see Jesus, sometimes God wants us to be set and established, etc. in a matter in the New Testament church, he wants us to seek counsel. Sometimes, my unwillingness to receive counsel is evidence that my heart's hard and my will is set. Don't argue with me. I, I didn't mean you can't argue with me, but you understand what I was saying, please? That's sometimes the attitude that's conveyed. Now listen, if you hear me preach something that's not the way the scripture teaches, I want you to come to me. And by the grace of God, I want to adjust my path in life. I want to hear what you have to say, because I could be wrong. I'm a man just like you. In Psalm 32, verse 9, my daddy preached on this verse. I want to read the context, so I'm going to start up in verse 7. It says, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. The way that thou shalt go. Ponder the path of your life. God, please show me. Then he says, I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, I always thought that that scripture ought to say, I'll guide you with my hand. God says, I will guide you with my eye. 
God knows the future. He knows it all the way out there to the very end. I'll guide you with my eye because I know what's going to happen with this and that. I will guide you with my eye. Then it says, be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding. They're just brute beasts, that's all. Whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. In closing, I want to turn to Psalm 25. Please turn to Psalm 25. I always enjoyed horses when I was younger. There's nothing that's more give me more pleasure than a good riding horse. It was very sensitive. You could neck rein them easy. You could use knee pressure and do various things with a horse. I wonder if you're like the horse or the mule, that God would like to guide with your eye, with his eye, I'm sorry, but you won't allow him to. In Psalm 25, it says, verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Show it to me, God. This week, God, show me. If there's something I'm struggling with that I don't even know about, God, show me. Guide me with your eye. You see what I need down the road better than I can see for myself. The next thing it says is, teach me thy paths. Remember, we're talking about paths. Remember? Ponder the path of thy feet. God, I want you to teach me your paths. I sometimes fight against myself. I am my own worst enemy. Verse 5, lead me in thy truth and teach me. Again, don't be like the horse and the mule. Why? Why? For thou art the God of my salvation. God, I started this journey. I made a decision that I want to end up in your presence, holy in your sight. God, I need you. I need you, Lord. Lead me in thy truth and teach me because you're the God of my salvation. You're the one that provided saving for me. On thee do I wait all the day. I await your leading, dear God, in the path of my life. Tonight, I just want you to consider and ponder the path of your feet. I want you to think about that. I'd ask you to think about it when you go to bed tonight. When you think about the sermon, I want you to think about that. That God asks us to ponder the path of our feet. Proverbs 4, verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established.
If you feel like that you have the next step to take and it's uncertain footing, pause. Talk to God. Ask Him. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me. I need to hear what you have to say. And so this week as we ponder the path of our feet together, I pray that God will be honored. And he will be honored if we hear his voice. Pray for me as I hear his voice about what to bring as messages for the week. I covet your prayers. I always tell the Lord, Lord, I don't really care what you want me to preach about. I want to do it. There's so much in God's word. There's so many things. It's not a shortage of material. Ponder the path of your feet. I wonder if we could bow our heads for prayer. Father, I just thank you for these, my brethren and sisters. I pray, dear God, if there are those listening on the telephone or hearing this message in some other medium, I pray you'd help them all to ponder the path of their feet and what road they're on and where their destination may be. Dear God, help us all to be honest with you this week. As we examine ourselves before you, help us to be honest. You are the God of our salvation. You are the one that we honor. God, our intent is to follow you. Our intent is to follow you all the way faithfully to the end. So, dear God, order our steps. Give us direction. Guide us with your eye, since you can see all the way down the road, and I can't. I pray you would help everyone here tonight. And so, Father, speak to our hearts. In the name of Christ, amen.